All righty. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good. Like I said, I told Luann when all the children went out, this is no thing, bad thing about you. The best people went off to class. The children, they're the best, right? Everybody feels that. Also, I would like for some people to keep their eyes on uh, Franklin and Ray uh, from going to sleep. They just got back from Israel, so they're kind of a little jet-lagged. But isn't it crazy? They knew the, the guy who spoke last week, Avi, they know him personally. But they were in Israel while he was here. <laughs> he wanted to know why y'all left knowing he was coming. That's how actually, <laughs> but that's great. I'm glad you guys got back. They used to live in Israel. I don't know if y'all knew that. But they lived in Israel for five years? Ten years. Good grace. They're almost Israelites. <laughs> in the spirit, they really are Israelites, right? All righty, thank you, Lord. I'm going to have to stop or I'll just ramble on. Um, but I'm, thank you, Lord. I'm thanking you, God, that you're going to speak to us this morning and that you're going to use me right now. Amen. All right, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Uh, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken uh, of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Strange guy, right? <laughs> then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. This is a really powerful scripture here, when you really, especially when you really look into it deeper. Um, you know, I've been preaching a lot about uh, Elijah, okay? Uh, and really, John the Baptist is the one person in the Bible that carried the spirit of Elijah. After Elijah passed on, he carried that spirit into the New Testament. Jesus himself said that in Mark 9. He said, he mentioned that the spirit of Elijah rested on John the Baptist. And then, and then he said in the future that anointing of John the Baptist would be released again. So there's a lot we can really get out of his life concerning the spirit and power of Elijah that God is going to release in the earth again. That's what I really believe. It's the most powerful anointing. Uh, so... This place here, if you want to think about it like this, it was 400 years. When he said, when he stood up and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven, when he started preaching, that was the first time in 400 years that God revealed himself, that God spoke. God had, not, had been silent for 400 years. Now, he may have been speaking to individuals, but there was no public word of the Lord that had been released for 400. Imagine that. Our country's not even 400 years old. Imagine living in a time where God, there was no vision, there was no prophetic words, there was nothing, there was religion, that's all they had. And then God, one day out in the wilderness, a man begins to preach and declare something. And it says the people flocked to him all around. So you knew that God, suddenly people in their hearts knew that God was saying something, that God was doing something even though they, those people had never personally experienced God 
speaking like that in their entire lives. Neither their fathers, their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers, none of them had experienced it, but somehow they, in their hearts, they knew the Lord was speaking. And so that's really what was going on here. And, And it's ironic, possibly ironic, or possibly the Lord, that the very place he stood, the very place he began to speak, was the same place Elijah, the last place Elijah stood on the earth before he was taken to heaven on a whirlwind. Isn't that powerful? It really is significant. And I don't think we really, as, as Christians, really understand, you know, the influence that John the Baptist had. He was powerfully, a very powerful force. Actually, uh, 20-something years later, after this event, uh, in Acts chapter 19, Paul went to the city of Ephesus and met 12 men who were followers of John the Baptist. They weren't Christians. They were followers of John the Baptist. I think many of you might have heard of the guy named Apollos in the Scripture. He was a man known as mighty in the Scripture. became a very powerful uh, spiritual force in uh, Acts 18. And when he first showed up on the scene, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. Isn't that amazing? That's after Jesus preached, after Jesus died, after Jesus was rose, after Pentecost, after 20 years of the body of Christ functioning in Jerusalem, there were still people out there following John's teaching. There were still disciples. And if you want to think about this, today, all over the world, there's these little scattered groups of people. There's a little religious group of people who are followers of John the Baptist. Yeah, it's amazing. Even today... They, they call them Mandians. That's, that's what they call them, Mandians. And pretty big cluster in Iraq. Pretty big cluster in Iran. I think there's less of a cluster in Iraq but because they got run out. Uh, but Australia, New Zealand, there's some in the United States. I think there's like 150 of them have been identified in the United States, you know, fleeing that over there. Followers of John the Baptist. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that anointing that was on John the Baptist was profound and it was powerful. And there's a residue, it's like the residue of the spirit and power of Elijah still in the earth. That people would still follow somebody. And of course, when people follow something that's over with, what does it become? It becomes dead, it becomes perverted, it becomes religion. Because they should be following Christ. Amen. And fortunately, those guys that Paul ran into became the seedbed for the greatest church in the New Testament, the church at Ephesus. And Apollos became one of the greatest Bible teachers in the New Testament. Said he was mighty in scripture. That's what that's the testimony. So good start. Amen. So let me read this in John 1. Um, this is really good. Uh, John 1, verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John when the new when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? So there was a the priests and Levites, a ruling class. John was out here, everybody was flocking to him. They wanted to know, who the heck is this guy? Why is everybody flocking? And so they sent a delegation, they sent a committee, they sent a team of people out to go and find out, who the heck are you? Because we need to know because you're causing a stir. And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? So this is interesting. Uh, I wanted to 
talk about this for just a moment. But this question they ask him, who are you? Um, this is a, you know, the, a question for all of us. Every person in this, on earth has to face this question. Whether you face it uh, consciously or subconsciously, we're all facing the question about ourselves, who we are. Uh, mostly young people do that. Uh, older people really should take the time to, to do it. Here's a, an amazing quote by John Calvin, uh, which I'm not necessarily a John Calvin fan, but uh, all wisdom, all the wisdom we possess is divided up in two parts, knowing God and knowing ourselves. You never get one without the other, and when you meet Jesus, you get both. Isn't that powerful? Knowing God and knowing ourselves. You know, even Jesus was very big on his identity. He was very big on people knowing who he was. Okay? And so really, if, he, if it was big to Jesus, it should be big to us. Okay? And it is big to us. It's big to all of us sitting in this room, whether you realize or not, it's big to you about who you are. And so, you know, you can't disconnect knowing who God is and knowing who you are. They really do go together. You can't know yourself, really. I think I've said this like nine trillion times, but I keep... The more you know God, the more you can know yourself. Let me say that. The more you know God, you can never know yourself rightly apart from knowing God. And the way you perceive God and the way you perceive yourself is going to affect every area of your life. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect how you treat your children. It's going to affect everything. It's going to affect how you work. It affect, your whole life is tied up into those two questions. Everything's, everything rests on those two things. Not to mention your eternity rests on the one for sure. Are y'all following this? Y'all looking awful quiet and thinking about, you know, something else. Uh, this is an amazing, I don't know if any of y'all know who Becky mentioned Baptist. Well, there was a Baptist preacher named Dr. Adrian Rogers. Anybody know who Dr. Oh, man, he was my all-time favorite preacher. This guy, he could preach. I mean, I ain't never heard a guy that could preach like him. And he had the voice of a preacher, you know. When he preached, it sounded like a real preacher. He didn't sound like people like me, like this guy. This man, when he spoke, it sounded like that's what a preacher's supposed to be. In fact, if you looked in the dictionary, a preacher, they should have his picture in there. <laughs> and he had a lot of revelation, a lot of revelation. Uh, in fact, not, not many people know this, but... Uh, Bobby Connor was, who's an amazing prophet, was highly influenced by Dr. Adrian Rogers. High, oh, yeah, Dr. Adrian Rogers really put that. You know how Bobby Connor has such an amazing anointing for the word? He got that from Adrian Rogers. So, Adrian Rogers, he's, he's gone on with the Lord now, but he had this amazing statement. He said, The me I see is the me I'll be. The me I see is the me I'll be. That really comes right out of the Bible, Proverbs 3.27. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But every one of you are looking at a person when you look at yourself. And how you see that person, how you see yourself is going to be how you are. If you see yourself as worthless, if you see yourself as not measuring up, if you see yourself as, as you know, better than everybody else, that's how you're going to live your life. And so it's really critical for us to really take the time. And I think really all we all need to take the time sometimes to ask ourselves, who am I? Just like they were asking John about, who are you? Who am I? What do, what do I really say about myself? Well, how do I think I am? And see, that's a hard question if you really want to get right down to it. 
And I find it's not just for young people. In fact, I find older people need to ask that question probably more than younger people. Because I know a lot of older people who buy into the lie that our culture gives them. Our culture tells people when they get in their 60s that you're, you know, you're kind of, it's time for you to retire. You're kind of done. That's not true. That's not a biblical truth on any level. And I've even, I've got, I have a friend of mine, he was talking to me one day, and he, he was telling me, like, he was talking about grandpa, being a grand, you know, I'm not talking about a papa with children, I'm talking about acting like an old grandpa. And I said, you know, I said, listen, I really got some issues with you. I said, saying all that stuff, because you're only three years older than me. And I'm not thinking that way. I'm not thinking that I'm some old fogey now, and I'm done, and I'm irrelevant, and I don't count anymore. You hear what I'm saying to you? But if you see yourself as an old fogey, irrelevant, and you don't count anymore, and there's another generation that's going to take over, and you're going to be pushed aside, you're believing a lie. You're believing a big lie. And, you need, and that's the way you're going to be. You will become irrelevant, and you will get pushed to the side. That's not God. That's why I'm saying, you know, every generation, we're going to have to, have to face that question about who we are. One of the things you're going to have to do is... Uh, you're going to have to get rid of your mask. A lot of people have masks on. You know, we live our... Right? Y'all all know that. you got this mask on. You, you try to look a certain way. You try to act a certain way. You try to be a certain way. And here's the trouble. Like, if you have the mask and, and you put mask on because you're ashamed or you, you don't think you're good enough. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? You put those masks on so you, everybody will think you're something, that, you, that you're good, that you measure up. And then so people like you and they love you, they accept you. I don't, I'm sure none of y'all have ever done that, but I have. And let me tell you what happens to a person who does that. At the end of the day, you go home and you take your mask off and you, re, you find out that everybody loved and accepted your mask, but not you. And so here you are all empty still and all tore up still because you, don't, you feel rejected, you feel lonely because your mask got all the love, your mask got all the acceptance. And see, one of the things you'll have to do to be the real you is you're going to have to face your mask. You're going to have to get rid of your mask. You're going to have to start being real about who you are. It's interesting that John really gives us sort of some clues about discovering who we are. The first thing, they didn't even ask him. They said, who are you? They didn't, say, they didn't say, are you the Christ? He flat out established right up front, I'm not the Christ. Okay? Because probably a lot of people thought he was the Christ. Because that's why they were going out there. And so by process elimination, that's what, how it sort of works in your life. Okay? You, you kind of find out who you're not. Because everybody's trying to be something. Okay, everybody's trying to be somebody else. You're going to see people that you look up to, that you admire, that you're inspired by, and if you're not careful, you'll start trying to be them. You'll start trying to emulate them. Oh, I've been into certain churches, and you see all these young preachers dressing, using the same phrases as the big preacher. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's a joke. That's not real. That's not discipleship. You're leading these guys way astray. Trying to preach like him, trying to act like him, using his. None of y'all have done that, I'm sure, but. Yeah. Are you Elijah? You look like Elijah. You eat like Elijah. You dress like Elijah. You preach like Elijah. You know, you live out in the woods like Elijah. No, I'm not Elijah. 
I'm not lying. Oh, are you the, the prophet that Moses spoke about? No, I'm not that prophet that Moses spoke about. You see, by a process of elimination, he begin, he, and see, that's really, I'll tell you, that's really how we really discover ourselves in lots of ways. Is in our life, we have these things that we want to be, we want to do. We, we look at people and we try to be a certain thing, the trendy thing. Let me tell you, don't try to be trendy. Because that trend, I've been around long enough to see many trends come and go. Many trends will come and go in your lifetime. And what's really trendy in popular culture now, five years from now, or maybe even next year, it won't be so trendy in popular culture. It will go away. And if you're trying to be that, then you, it's going to go away with you. You're going to go away with it. You don't need to do that. You need to find out who you are, and you need to live that to the max. Are y'all following this? And see, really, that was what they were, they were going on with him about is, a, is a, you know, who you really are. What do you say about yourself? So you need, to, you need to ask yourself, what do you say about yourself? Sit down with God sometime and, say, and, and answer the question, what do I say about myself? And one thing happened to me was when I began to ask the Lord that question, it was like, well, are you talking about the mask you got on, Byron, or are you talking about you? Because you need to take the mask off, and then let's have that conversation. Because I don't want to talk to you about the mask. It's time to take the mask off a lot of people, I think. So then he goes on, and it says... Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So that's tied into your identity. And that's really what the spirit of Elijah really looked like on John the Baptist. It looked like a voice. Because John didn't do miracles. But he had a voice that was so powerful it attracted everybody. He didn't have to do miracles. That wasn't really what God called him to do. His voice was so powerful, people were drawn to that voice. And I'll tell you, every person in this, in this room has been given a voice. I'm going to tell you that everybody in this room has been given a voice. God's called each one of us to be a voice to our generation that we live in. Okay? Every one of you have a voice. The thing is, you've got to find that true voice. Okay? And that true voice is connected to your identity. If you're, not trying, if you're not being the real you, you won't have a real voice. There's a lot of voices in the world right now, okay? A whole lot of voices. But have you noticed that most voices are echoes of somebody else? Most vo- There's not a lot of originality. There's not a lot of voices that you feel like it's coming out of the spirit realm. Most voices are coming out of what somebody else has said. It's just kind of recycle, rehash, <laughs> You know, I, that's one thing I cannot bear is recycle and rehash. Like, I've already heard that 900 times. I've heard that. You know. Anyways, uh, Lord help, right? I don't want to get off on that. <laughs> Becky's saying stop. <laughs> Becky knows how I am. I have bad thoughts about things. You know, this is very interesting. Second Corinthians 4, 7, it says we have this treasure in earth and vessel. That's Second Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earth and vessel. That word have there is echo. Isn't that powerful? We echo this treasure. You see, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people to be His echo. 
When I was a kid, we had a place where we had this really large garden. It was sort of like down in this flat, this kind of a bottom. We called it a bottom because it was of a lower elevation. And you could go out there in the evenings and yell, and there'd be an echo. You could go, hey! You'd hear, hey! Hey! What you doing? What you doing? My sisters came along, and I'd say, hey, shut up! <laughs> That's what my sisters would say. I gave my sisters a rough time. But that's really what, that's the echo that God wants. That's the voice that God's looking for in us. God's looking for us to find that true voice that's inside of us that echoes from the, the realm of the Spirit. Not echoes what everybody else say in popular culture, the latest fashion, the latest trends. You know what Paul said, being blown about, around by winds of doctrines, what everybody else is saying, and you really, ain't, really haven't tapped into really anything that's really real. So all of us have a voice, a God-given voice, and what we need to do is tap into that voice because that voice is what's needed in this generation. And that's what the spirit and power of Elijah wants to do is give people a voice to speak to the generation they live in. And, and uh, you have to be careful that you don't allow political correctness and all that stuff to really get a hold of your heart because it'll kill the voice inside of you. This guy was not political correct on any day. I mean, I mean, he was badly not politically correct. He didn't dress right. He didn't talk right. He didn't go to the right places. But everybody came to him because the voice of God was coming through him. And I think that being a voice is a really a generational, generational message. We need voices in every generation. Okay, let me just go on. Are y'all okay? Yes. This is, really, this is really cool. So uh, they said, uh, if you're not these people, if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, then why are you baptizing? Okay? Why are you? This is interesting. Did you know John the Baptist is the first person in the Hebrew culture, probably the first person on the earth who ever baptized another person? Now, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Nobody baptized... Up until that time, people baptized themselves. Yeah. In the Old Testament, there was a, a baptism. The priests would go and baptize. It was a cleansing. It was a rite of purification. So here's this guy who comes on the scene. That's why that was a confusion factor. See, the, the, the Jews knew that. The, he, the, the Pharisees knew. This is unusual what this guy's doing. Nobody has ever done this before. Everybody has baptized themselves. Okay, but now he's doing it. Why are you doing this? We can do this ourselves. Well, it was a prophetic act. Because what he was saying is, listen guys, what you've done doesn't work. Because a dead man can't baptize himself. That's what he was showing. A dead, dead people don't baptize themselves. And he was showing that what baptism really was to become under Christ. It was to become a symbolic picture of Christ dying, Christ being buried, and Christ being raised from the dead. That's, that's what he was showing, and that's what was confusing to him. Do y'all get that? Yeah. that that's, I mean, that's amazingly major in understanding John. And no wonder they called him John the Baptist. The, actually, John the Baptizer. Because there had never been anybody like that. It's just amazing because he was, he was proclaiming something that no one had an idea was ever going to happen. This baptism thing that Jesus was actually, and that's why we baptize people today. 
It's the same thing. Isn't that amazing? That's, I think that's one of the coolest things about John the Baptist. And they said, so uh, let's look down in verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. It's kind of a tongue twister, right? (laughs) After me come a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, listen, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water to reveal Christ. What I just said, he's going to re- but he's revealing something mystical. He's revealing something that nobody was seeing. He was revealing something spiritual with his baptism. It wasn't just change the way you think. He was actually shifting them into the New Testament age. He was actually changing the culture, the spiritual culture of Israel at that moment by baptizing. I just think that's amazing. And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but listen, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. In other words, what he was saying, this is the reason I'm baptizing. God has revealed to me and told me to baptize. That's why I'm doing it. I didn't come up with this thought by myself. God in heaven said, baptize people. And so I did it. I'm telling you, we, baptism is more important. I don't know. Baptism is more important than we've made it out to be. In this day, in this culture, it was everything. That's why in the Eastern cultures, if you're like a Muslim or something like that, and you get baptized, as far your family, as far as they're concerned, you're literally dead. Once you cross that line, you see that? Once you cross that line of baptism, because they understand the power in it. They understand that it's something significant, way more significant than what we've made it out to be. There's power in getting water baptized. If you've never been water baptized, I really said, now, you're going to go to heaven whether you got water baptized or not. It's not a matter of that, but there's power in it. There's something mystical. There's something supernatural. There's something that we, we should be doing. If we really want to tap into all that Christ has for us. Um, and I think this is interesting uh, that he said uh, there's another baptism. Uh, the person who the dove rests on, He's going to do another baptism, and it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay? You know, that's sort of a controversial thing with a lot of people because of the speaking in tongues and all that, which I just think, come on, y'all. Y'all, you can't, people just you need to be done with that now. And so what John the Baptist was saying in, uh, there with his baptism, he's saying this water baptism is awesome. It's, it's mystical. It's powerful. But there's even a greater baptism. There's a greater person, there's a greater day, there's a greater baptism. And it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is, let me read this, Matthew 13, Matthew 3, verse 13 through 14. Then Jesus came from Galilee to, to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, by him, baptized in water. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. John was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he just said, that's the one who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And John 
Jesus said that John in Matthew eleven eleven, John was the greatest man who was ever born of a woman. The greatest man. Here he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, you have something I don't have. You have something I need. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. The greatest man who ever walked this earth in Jesus' eyes. I know it's not in the world's eyes, but in Jesus' eyes, the greatest man who ever walked this face of this earth said, Jesus, you have something I need. And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. So, two things. One, water baptism is significant. Water baptism is foundational to your spiritual life. It's foundational to you walking in the supernatural life of Christ that God has called every one of us to. That's first. Second, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is even more important because Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the only one that can baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Now, we can lay hands on people, and they, and, and they can be baptized on us, but it's the power of God in us doing it. So when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's something that the Lord does, and it's something the Lord is doing. And it's something that's necessary in the body of Christ. And we can make it about tongues and all that, and, and I'm all into tongues. I mean, big time. You know, I pray in tongues more, and I pray naturally. Because I don't do good praying naturally. I get distracted. But praying in tongues is easy, man. I mean, and when you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. You edify yourself. And, you, and, and, the, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the mysteries of God are being released into your spirit. The mysteries of God. The revelation. That's, it comes through this encounter. And every person, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, what happens to you is you get filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that's, what, that's what that whole encounter is about. And, and Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power and you will be my witnesses but through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. It's about becoming a witness of Christ. A witness is somebody who sees something. A witness is somebody who has first-hand account. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it gives us a first-hand account. It doesn't give us a second-hand account. That's where we can become that echo is because we have this encounter in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we've been empowered, and God enables us to see and hear and experience in the spiritual realm and bear to witness what we're seeing and hearing and experiencing in the Spirit into the natural. Are y'all following this? Or am I, am, I might be preaching to the choir. I hope I really am about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there's a feeling of the Holy Spirit that's, that's ongoing. There's a feeling of the Holy Spirit that's ongoing. We should, you know, how many people ask the Lord to fill them with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, like every morning? Because, why? Because we're leaking, right? I mean, leaking out, saying stuff we shouldn't say, doing stuff we shouldn't do. And that really kind of puts the Spirit, causes us to lose this, this feeling. And feeling in the Bible is not just to the top, it's overflowing. Amen. And so, what John the Baptist, I'm in conclusion, <laughs> will in conclusion, in conclusion, four things. One, identity. Who are you? And I really challenge everybody in this room to take some time in prayer this week and ask yourself before the Lord about who you are 
And are you living true to who you really are? Are you living true to what's really inside of you? You know? Not are you living true to that mass. Not are you living true to popular culture, the latest fad, the, or what people are saying about you if you're old or even if you're young. None of that. Find out what it really is what God is saying about who you are. And God has spoke, will speak and give you a lot of hints about this if you're willing to listen. That's, that's important. And, and out of that becoming and discovering who you are, you can discover your true voice. You discover the voice that you have, and you'll discover the people, the audience that God has given that voice to. You'll discover them. And you'll discover the secret to power when you discover your voice. Because your voice, your true voice, is like the light switch on the wall that turns the lights on. It's the power switch. When you have your voice, when you, when you start speaking from your true voice, it turns the power of God on inside of you and releases it out of you. Up until then, it's going to be tied up in you. It's going to be haphazard. Every once in a while, you'll be like an Old Testament person. The Holy, it's like the Holy Spirit has to come on you to make something happen versus come up in from your spirit and out of you. Big difference. God's called us to live from here out. That's, that's the New Testament way. It's from the Spirit of God in you, filled and in, in flowing out of you. Not Him having to lay on you like He did people in the Old Testament. That's... That's really a, a lesser of a revelation of the Spirit of God, if you want to know. That's, that's the old covenant. We're living in the new covenant. So you have the, and then the, the third thing is uh, water baptism. It's really, I want to encourage you, if you've never been water baptized, man, get, get in some water in July. We're gonna, we'll baptize you in July when the water's warm and nice. But I mean, I would really encourage you for that because I think it'll begin to unlock things for you spiritually. And there can be a supernatural encounter. And the fourth thing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, man, there's no time like right now to get back. And all you've got to do is ask the Lord to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you would like the gift of tongues, which is, a, which is the sign in the New Testament, the first sign of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit was tongues. Okay? So that's just, I think it's part and partial. In my opinion, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongues is going to happen. And preaching and boldness and there's many things. Um, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit right after I met Becky. We had this long conversation about the Holy Ghost, about baptizing. About, you know, I wasn't, and we were talking about speaking in tongues. And I went to this Bible study at, at school. I was in college at the time. And there was this guy named Bob Mumford. And he was doing this teaching. Now, here's his teaching. It was the best teaching on the planet. How to grow spiritually. And I was hungry for God. I wanted to grow spiritually. So it had my full attention because I was just a young believer. And I was wanting to, to grow in the Lord. I wanted to be spiritual. I, I just had these hungers and this ambition in the Lord. And so he says, number one, you got to get saved. <laughs> I thought that was to that back then. It's like, Yes. I didn't think it was funny. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm saved. Number two, you need to be water baptized. Yes, I was water baptized a month ago. I'm fixing to get something here now. (laughs) Number three, you got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thought, what? (laughs) Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he talked about it some. Talked about speaking in tongues. And I thought, well, I'm not... I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
So went to, you know, did the, the, it was time to go back to the class, went to did the class, got home. I couldn't wait to get home. I was like going through school, what are they talking about? I had this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing on my mind so bad. So I went home and I sat down and I said, God, I really love you, I think. At the time, that was just bad. It was a thought. I think I love you. Maybe I love myself, and somehow I'm getting us confused. But I do think I love you. I, I do have these desires towards you, and, and I have these desires towards spiritual things. I, I really do. And, I, and, and so I want to grow as a Christian. I want to do the right things with my life. I want to make good choices. I want to be nice to people. I don't want to do drugs no more. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to do all that crazy stuff I was doing. And I kind of want to do it still. Be honest with you, Lord. <laughs> that was then. This is now. So I need you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, and I need to speak in tongues. That's what I told him. Just, so I'm asking you. And so I said, hallelujah. Then I said, well, hallelujah. And then the third hallelujah, it got hallelujah. <laughs> I, started, I started speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking, what in the world? What was that? Was that God or what, what in the world? And so I just thought, well, I'm just going to trust that it was God and I'm going to do it. That's what I, I'm just going. And so I just started speaking in tongues and I just spoke in tongues for the rest of the day. I remember going to the gas station and I was pumping gas in my car, speaking in tongues. I went into the gas the store in the gas station, went over to the cooler to get me a drink, a, a Mountain Dew. That was my drink in that moment. And I looked around. Is anybody around me? I got to check, make sure I can still speak in tongues. <laughs> Literally, that's what I was thinking. And I did. I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm still doing it. Got my Mountain Dew, paid for my gas, and left. And spoke in tongues for the rest of my life. And I speak, like I said, and I'm just saying, this stuff is important. It may have been misapplied. It may have been misused. It has, you know, been preached wrong. I don't care. All that is it, still important. People have gotten cars and killed people running on Times Squares recently and killed a bunch of people. Do we quit driving our automobiles because some idiot did that? Do we give up on baptisms because people have preached it wrong and, and abused tongues and everything else? Do we quit that? No, we don't. In fact, we reinforce in our life and say, they have, may have done it wrong. God have mercy and, and heal the people that got abused, but let's do it right. And let's give God a chance in our life. That's what the spirit of power of Elijah will do. It'll release all of that in our lives, and that's what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. So go home and ask the Lord about it if you're not, and ask Him to do it. And it's all by faith. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that was a good word. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We can't, we can't live right without it, without him. So uh, this is the point in the service where you have to make a choice on whether you need to get because it's, you got stuff planned after church or if the Lord's been tugging on your heart, if you're going to respond. Don't, don't, don't get out of here without responding to the Lord, I'm telling you. It's not worth it. If he's got something for you, and there's grace pulling on your heart, don't miss your opportunity, okay? Don't let all those thoughts and, oh, shoot, I got to go do this, and I got to hurry up and get out of here, and 
take a nap. Naps are great, man. Especially when, when you need sleep as a, as a parent of young kids, right? Naps are amazing. They're pretty close to the Lord, I have to say. Pretty, some days. I'm just telling you, don't miss, don't miss out on what the Lord has for you today. He's releasing things. If you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come on. Please do it, man. Please get prayer and pursue that, whether it happens today or whether it's when you're on your own like it did for me, whatever. Um, The dressers are here, and we really want to pray for you over here. We want to pray for your daughter, okay? So if if it's all with you, come on up and... And we're going to surround them in prayer, in particular for their daughter. So prayer team, come on up. If there's anybody here from the prayer team. But uh, we're going to pray for you and your daughter. Um, Their daughter's in the hospital right now fighting for her life. And we're going to pray for that Holy Ghost who has power to heal, who releases the power of Jesus. All right. Y'all are free to go. Have a blessed rest of your day. But if you want to stay here and linger and do some business with God and join in prayer, do that. You're blessed either way. We love you. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus' name above every other name. Jesus, the only